going to be an interesting episode because I don't have any notes. <laughs> <laughs> I got some. And when we talked about doing the Ditka episode, I said, I don't have any notes. And he was like, no, I'm good. I don't need, I, <laughs> the man said he don't need no notes for Ditka. He's ready to you roll. Know, the thing about... <laughs> There's so many things to talk about the Mike Dick here. First of all, for some people like me, I tend, like when the Saints lose, I don't want to watch the highlights. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see anything. I'm just too depressed. It's kind of depressing to talk about on one hand. But on the other hand, the way I look at it as a glass half full guy is if you remind yourself when things were really bad, then you can really appreciate what what we've had in the last 15 and really even longer. I know some people hate the Aaron Brooks years or the, you know, the Jim Haslett years, but you know, the Saints played very few games that did not matter in those years. They were always in it. They just kind of blew it at the end yeah. too, too often, but they, there were some great victories in there. And so I, I, I still appreciate those wins because, and maybe that's something Mike Ditka did for me because I mean, those three years were just miserable. I'm telling you, look, there. everything that we're about to say is not negative. I'm going to try to be as objective as I can <laughs> and give you some good things that Mike Ditka and the Saints did during those three years. Oh, wow. You're going to find some good things. I'm going to find okay. some good things and some memorable wins and that kind of stuff and memorable performances. So I'm not, gonna, I'm, I'm not going out of my way to be negative. But when we, there are going to be things that you're going to hear <laughs> in the next, whatever, however long we do this, that you're not going to believe I'm telling you. It is unbelievable how bad they were. Let's do a quick little recap of Ditka's career and life before he got to the Saints. He's born in 1939, and he was born in Carnegie, Pennsylvania. He played college football at the University of Pittsburgh. He's a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. He played in the NFL. He is an NFL Hall of Famer as a player. He played for the Bears from 61 to 66. He played for the Eagles in 67 and 68. He finished his career with the Cowboys in 69, 70, 71, and 72. He won the Super Bowl twice as a member of the Cowboys. Do you remember him playing at all? Or did I remember at the very end of his career, yeah. yeah. You know, six or seven, but I remember him, yeah. Two-time Super Bowl champion with the Cowboys. Then he goes on into coaching. He coached as an assistant with the Cowboys until 81. He got the head coaching job with the Chicago Bears in 82. He coached there for 10 years from 82 to 92. Of course, he won the 85 Super Bowl. That 85 Super Bowl team with, with Ditka and the Bears – a lot of credit goes to Buddy Ryan and the defense, and the defense was, was so good. Yeah. What do you remember about that 85 Bears team oh, in the 85 season? They were, they were really good. I mean, you know, because that 86 Giants team was very similar to that 85 Bears teams. They were just one with, you know, Lawrence Taylor, et cetera. They won with defense. They were just brutal. I mean, they just – but they couldn't hardly do – like, they intimidated people. You can't hardly do that anymore because you can – they throw flags on you. They, they had so many hits that would be illegal now. It wouldn't even be funny. Many of them. But you, they were obviously a great defense. Do you think they're the best team of all time, the 85 Bears? Oh, no. That's no. not the team, no. no. They played awful teams. They, they they played Dieter Brock and the, the Rams. Dieter Brock wasn't even good. Like, they did not beat great teams in the playoffs, nor did they beat a great team in the Super Bowl. So you can argue how great their defense was one way or the other because they were great defensively. But as far as an overall team, no, I don't think they're anywhere near the, the best team ever. In 1988, Ditka suffered a heart attack. He was expected to miss much of the season, but he was only on he was on the sidelines as an advisor. And the next week, he was back in full charge of the Bears. In 88, they went 12 and four. He was coach of the year in 88. And in 90, they made the playoffs. In 91, 
they made the playoffs. In 92, they dropped to 5-11. and 11. And then the Bears fired Ditka, and then he goes on to be a broadcaster. So from 93 to 97, I guess he was broadcasting. And then in 97. I remember where I was. I was at Como High School covering the Ken Cole wrestling tournament. And the new, this must have been, it's normally in late January. The season was over, and the Saints were obviously not in the playoffs. They were still kind of reeling from the post, Mike, you know, the Jim Mora era ending. And I, I'm, I was there when the news broke that the Saints had hired Mike Ditka. And I said, what? Mike Ditka. And I can still remember, remember on one of the other earlier episodes, we talked about how, you know, when the games were covering the Saints back then, you'd drive and you'd listen mm-hmm. to the WWL. And, and I remember some Chicago Bear fan called from the 85 glory days, you know, Oh man, y'all are not gonna regret this. This guy, he is awesome. Y'all are, you know. And then the whole thing was made of iron. He's gonna make y'all tough. He was just a Neanderthal, is what he was. <laughs> I mean, really. First of all, he should have not ever, never got back into coaching. He was not a good coach in '97, '98, '99 with the Saints. But he would be even worse now. Like the oh, game. Yeah. I mean, he would be way worse now. I, I would. And, and looking up a few numbers because I wanted to look up a few statistics that I'm going to give when we get into it. But the thing that this is all you need to know in the, in the little uh, base NFL reference, pro reference, whatever it is that I always look up, it had offense, smash mouth. That was the name of the offense, smash mouth. (laughs) It wasn't West Coast or, you know, whatever, multiple or pro style or it it was smash mouth. Right. That was the, the listing of what the offense, Danny Abramowitz, who was obviously... Danny Burns was the offensive coordinator, played for the Saints, went played for the Cheaters, and he was what he was. He was like, you know, multi, uh, like 17th round draft pick or something, who was slow and had great hands and just forced himself into being a good NFL player and, and all that, which was fine. They were trying to win with Danny Abramowitz kind of players. <laughs> you know, 50 years later, you yeah. just can't do that. And they just had. They were so slow and so awful. Before we get into some of the things that are good and bad, let me just read to you (laughs) this stuff, okay? Let's just listen to this. Let me say, before we started recording, you said that you had a list of stats that you were going to read off to me, and I would not believe it. You would not believe it. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, so here's the problem. They actually, in this first year, if they could have had... The second year offense, which was really bad, but not just like over the top abysmal, with the 97 defense, it's possible they could have won eight or nine games Mm -hmm. and been pretty respectable. So in 1997, the Saints were the fourth-ranked defense in the league and led the league with 59 sacks, which set a record at that time. They had Wayne Martin, who I compared this year's first-round pick to. They had Joe Johnson, who was a good first-round pick. Definitely. And the one of the good things, we'll fast-forward, one of the few good things that Mike Ditka did during his era was his big free agent acquisition that year going into that season was Leroy Glover who had been drafted by the Raiders, and they cut him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And the Saints Simon, he was a really good player. I mean, he was a big part of those 59 sure. sacks. So, sure. so he, he did that. The other good thing that he did going into that season was they signed a free agent, undrafted free agent named Sammy Knight, who turned out to be a really good player for the Saints. So they did a few good things. 
Undrafted free agent Keith Mitchell, who had a couple good years at linebacker. He's from A&M. He played for A&M in the game at Cajun Field when the Cajuns mm, beat him. Okay. And Brett Besh, whose sons we know, and he, he had some proof as an undrafted free agent. He did a good job. Okay. He kind of fit a little bit into that Danny Abraham and Woods mold. So yeah. anyway, they had the fourth-ranked defense, but they were miserable on offense. First of all, they never could find a quarterback, which we talked about before in that seven-year just dead period. Heath Shuler started ten, played in ten games, started nine of the games that year. Listen to this: <laughs> Heath Shuler, they, they they played four, started four quarterbacks that season. Heath Shuler completed fifty-one point two percent of his passes, which back then was really bad, but now is really bad. Right? He had. Two touchdowns and 14 interceptions in 10 games. Two touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Think about that. Then they went to Billy Joe Holbert. He completed 46.6% of his passes. He started, he played in five games and started four of them. He he had six interceptions, I mean, six touchdowns and eight interceptions, which is way ahead of two and 14, (laughs) but it's still not good. Right. Then Danny Werfel played in seven games and started two of them. He completed 46% of his passes. <laughs> he had four interceptions, four touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Then Doug Nussmeyer, whose son is now at LSU, completed 56% of his passes. He was like a high-efficiency quarterback. <laughs> he, he played in three games, started one, had zero touchdowns and three interceptions. So th- these four quarterbacks this year <laughs> had 13 touchdowns and 33 interceptions. And they won six games. This team, they won, they went six and ten. Yeah. Because their defense was so good and forced turnovers and sacked people. So if they just had a bad offense, right. they might have won eight or nine games. Yeah. The the most memorable game for me from that season was they played a Sunday night at Chicago. You know, obviously Ditka going back to Soldier Field. And it was a bad game and low scoring, but they won on an 89-yard touchdown pass in the fourth quarter. In fact, before Reggie even hit the goal line in the 2006 NFC Championship game, that play was remarkably similar to the He Shula. I'm not comparing Drew Brees and He Shula. And I'm, I'm not comparing Reggie and, and Randall Hill, although Randall Hill was not a terrible football player, but... That it was, I mean, it was almost exactly like that play. Mm -hmm. It was amazing how uncanny those two plays were. Those two offenses, though, though had zero in common. You know, the the '97 offense in that one, but but no, that was an exciting play. They won an overtime game in Seattle. They actually won four of their last seven games, and they finished six and ten. Which, when when you have an offense this miserable. I mean, you're talking about like their leading rusher had like 400 and something yards, and their quarterbacks combined for 13 touchdowns. In 33 interceptions. Can you imagine being that bad? Yeah. Do you remember being that bad? (laughs) Okay, so in 98, for whatever reason, the defense went from 4 to 26. So I I don't know why it got that bad. Maybe it's just it had no help from the offense. The offense was not ranked last. It was ranked 28th. I don't know. I don't I don't know how it did that. Billy Joe Tolliver played in seven games that year, started four, had eight touchdowns. Four interceptions. Kerry Collins started seven games. He completed 49% of his passes. Four touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Man, I didn't remember him being that bad. Four touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Uh, Danny Werfel played in five games, started four, 52. He was five and five. Billy Joe played in one, started one, completed 47% of his passes in one. That year, they had 19 touchdowns and 19 interceptions, which is not good, but compared to 13 and 33, yeah. it's... 
It's outstanding. So if he could have had that efficiency of offense with the defense from the year before, he he might have had one good year in you in your arms. I don't remember Kerry Collins being that bad. I mean, I remember he was bad, but that's really bad. You know that that second year, they start they actually started out three and zero. The third game, Danny Werfel threw a thirty three yard touchdown pass to Cam Cleveland, who the Saints drafted in the second round uh, and won nineteen thirteen in overtime. Now they had forty seven more sacks a season, so they were still doing that pretty well. Cam Cleveland is one of the players from this era. That if we could just, okay, let's rewind everything, have him be a rookie right now, mm-hmm. I think he was a good football player. But if you remember, do you remember at all what happened with Cam Cleland? Yeah, something where he got a concussion and a, a fight or something like that. They they did a rookie hazing in him, and they made him run down the hallway, and they had a bag of coins, and they hit him in the head with it, wow. which is not a real good thing to no. do for someone. Say, let's say not. They, they, they didn't know about concussions maybe back then, what we know now about concussions. And he got a concussion, and he was never – he was never happy, and he he didn't, you know, I, I don't blame him. He, sure. he wasn't happy, and things didn't go as well. But I think he had some talent. I mean, he had some pretty decent years on a miserable offense. Yeah. And I think if you could, if we could just go back to Cam Cleland, draft him again out of Washington, he would be a good tight end today. And I think he he was on the finesse side, so he didn't really fit into this smash mouth offense. Right. But but he he had some 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 skills, and I think he was pretty good. Like Dick and him were, you know, they basically were just called him out and called him soft and all that silliness. But I, I don't think any of that stuff would happen today. So he was pretty good. Then in the third year, Billy Joe Tolliver uh, completed 51% of his passes, seven touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Can you imagine your starting quarterback putting up those kind of numbers? How many games did he play? He played 10 games, seven starts. Billy Joe Hobart, nine start, played in nine games, seven starts. He was 53% of his passes, 6-6. Six and six. Then, at the very end of that season, I'm sure you remember this game, Christmas Eve, I remember exactly where I was. They put Jake DeLome in the game, and he had this you know, great game, and they beat the Cowboys 31-24. They were 2-12. and 12, Yeah. And they put Jake in the game, and they won the game 31-24, which is 31. That, that's a magical <laughs> yeah, number, isn't it? I do remember that game. Yeah. Do remember, and, and, and Jake started two games that year. He completed 55% of his passes, three touchdowns, five interceptions. But you know, Jake, he just had an energy. For that season, they had 16 touchdown passes, 30 interceptions. Wow. It's just unbelievable. Like, we all are just drilling Jameis Winston. But at least Jameis had 30-something touchdowns and threw for 5,000 yards. They were throwing for 3,000-something yards with mm-hmm. 13 and six, with 30-something interceptions. You just can't play football that right. way. Especially... When we just finished 15 years with the most efficient quarterback, arguably, sure. in NFL history, yeah. where he was completing 60, in the high 60s or 70% of his passes, these people were completing 40-something passes. <laughs> it was, and that's just how bad Danny Abramowitz in that whole offense was. Just miserable. Let's go back to 96, the year before Dicka got there. What was that season like for the Saints, and, and what, what led to more leaving and all that stuff that got kind of dirty? He wasn't a very patient person. And they didn't have a quarterback either. And they just got tired of each other. I mean, I don't know all what caused the friction, but, you know, I've had arguments with friends about that. Some people really get down and really criticize him and ridicule him for, quote, quitting. And he did. But I think there comes a time where you just – it was like Ditka three years later in 99 – that they had that press conference where they he was just like I'm not I'm not doing my job like it 
it's not that I want to quit necessarily, but it's pretty obvious that it's not working. Yeah, they're not listening. Right. To me, and I think Jim Moore got to that point where they just it was not it was not a functional situation. Which again, when you start talking about like like I'm sure in 2014 and 2015 it wasn't a real functional situation, and they had to the Saints had to radically redo, which I think has a big role in their draft current draft philosophy in terms of drafting character and all that so um you know it, it's hard to maintain where the where the players are listening to you you know more than four or five six years you start getting a 10 and 12 and 15 years you got to do some things right or really shift the personnel or they, they just turn you off so when they hired Ditka or when you found out they hired Ditka I, you you're very unique you think of things completely differently than a lot of people and I remember being kind of excited about Dick. I mean, I was in high school, so I was getting a little older, so I was more aware of what's going on. And I was kind of excited about it. What was the mood overall for Saints fans? Like, were most Saints fans excited? I think they were excited initially. You know, the thing that was going on in New Orleans is Buddy D was huge in New Orleans at that point. And Buddy D used to do these shows with Ditka, and he was a personal friend with Ditka. His mentality was he'll bring a toughness, which... They just had toughness. I mean, the Saints were not the it wasn't a lack of toughness under Jim Moore. Jim Moore was a tough coach too. I mean, they played tough. It was about selling tickets. That apathy had set in, so saying. But when your reason to hire a football coach is to sell tickets, that's that doesn't bode well. And he was just at the wrong time. And even in the night, the nineties was more way more like the eighties than it is to now than it is now NFL football, but he just, again, he was trying to draft uh, a bunch of Danny Abramowitzes, and that doesn't work. I mean, like his drafts, his first ever draft pick was Chris Naoli, who, to his credit, didn't play very long in New Orleans, but had an, a, really, a pretty good NFL career. He wasn't an awful pick. He was kind of like an undersized guard who turned out. But, I mean, his first-round pick was an offensive guard. Yeah. who was on the small side, but he tried real hard. And he and that trying real hard, he ended up having a decent NFL career, but that's not. Then their second round, his second pick was Rob Kelly. Not good. His second second round pick was Jared Thomas, undersized, try real hard, defensive end from Nebraska. His third round pick was Troy Davis, who was small and slow from Iowa State as a running back. I mean, how is that going to be successful? Right. And then the fourth pick was Danny Werfel, who was small and not good from Florida. So they had five picks in the first three rounds, and they didn't draft one athlete. Right. Think about that. Yeah. And you wonder why they were terrible. Mm -hmm. Getting Sammy Knight and even Chris Hewitt was a decent player, and Keith Mitchell, that was their undrafted free agents at least had some athletic ability and yeah. could play. And then at the end of that draft, he drafted Keith Poole in the fourth round, who was okay. Right. I mean, I he had some decent moments. He was all right. And then Nicky Savoy from LSU, who was like the backup tight end at LSU. And he was he didn't do anything. Yeah. So I mean I mean, think about it. that first draft was just absolutely miserable. Just miserable. In ninety seven, you're kind of validated almost instantly in the way you felt about this. Yeah, I didn't I I I, I didn't I, I was not high on it. I, selling tickets was not a good rationale for me. You know, something else about that that that's interesting to me. The offensive coordinator was Danny Abrams. The defensive coordinator was Xavier Urillian, which is one of the great names. 
And he, he, he was a defensive coordinator all three years under Ditka. And he had come up, he played in Nebraska, coached a long time in college football, and had played and had been an assistant coach for the Bears um, when Ditka was there before he was a defensive back coach. Also on that staff were Jack Del Rio, who turned out to be a pretty decent football coach. Right. The Saints drafted Jack Del Rio, yes, they by did. the way. Tom Moore was on that staff. Tom Moore was the guy who was the big brains behind the Colts offense all them years that Peyton Manning was right. in Indianapolis. Right. Tom Moore was on that staff. John Pagano, who's not Chuck Pagano, but I'm, I think that's his brother. He was a pretty respected defensive coach. Tom Clements was a pretty, you know, played quarterback at Notre Dame and 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 I think one of them was the quarterback in one of the most overrated college bowl games ever, that the '73 Sugar Bowl. He was he's a was a ended up being a pretty respected coach. And Rick Venturi, you know, did some good things. Walt Corey was a pretty well known. Dick Stanfield was still coaching and was an assistant coach on that staff. So it wasn't like I know they had Danny Abraham, which in the offense was terrible, but they they it's not like they had no good coaches on the staff, right? But, I mean, those guys had to be sit there and listen to Ditka, and they had to be going, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> this guy's like 50 years behind the time. Like, what? A, Tom Moore, think about going from this offense to the Colts five or six years later. Yeah. Now, I mean, he went to the Colts before that, but th- that those first couple of years, they weren't very good. But the Colts offense got pretty good pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, can, I mean he had to be thinking, man. Just five years ago, I was sitting in a room with Danny Abramowitz and Mike Ditka talking offense with their little smash mouth. Think about how he had to be shaking his head. No, it was just awful. What are some stories about the Billy Joes? We always hear about the Billy Joes. They talk about the Billy Joes. I know you kind of ran through their stats, but what's kind of going on with Saints fans when you're going back and forth between two guys named Billy Joe? Well, I think Billy Joe Tolliver was just like a good old boy kind of guy. He had played some against the Saints because he played for the Falcons for a while. And he was, you know, I, I think he was con- he was just a guy who was probably with a pretty decent backup. You just don't want him to be your starter. And he's just kind of a gunslinger, you know. And when you don't have a lot of talent around you, you just, you're not going to get away with that. And, and I think Billy Joe Holbert was a decent player. He, you know, he wasn't surrounded by very much, and he was injury prone. So he was always hurt, and it just, it, it just didn't work. I mean, it was... You know, it was easy to joke and make fun of this team. Right. And again, it just wants for all the people to just hate Aaron Brooks after going through those seven years of, you know, I mean, it's hard enough to play when you have two quarterbacks, when you're playing four quarterbacks every year and they're all terrible. Right. It just wears on you. It's like, this is awful. So when, and then going into 2000, they got Jeff Blake, who was a legitimate NFL quarterback. That was like a dream. And then he goes down. You got to be kidding me. And Aaron Brooks comes in, he's running around the field, throwing for 200 and 300 and running for 100. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is awesome. This ain't no Billy Joe stuff. So for the rest of my life as a Saints fan, who knows what's going to happen with Jameis Winston. But this era, these three years of Mike Ditka, will not make me hate Jameis Winston as much as I It will make me appreciate any NFL quality quarterback. I'm, try, I'm trying to think of even another team to compare it to or even like to draw a parallel between in the, in the league you know, in the last ten years, that's had a quarterback situation like this. we'd have to go back. There's some. Ba- there's been some bad teams. I mean, the Jaguars had some bad teams, but man, Blake Bortles had that one year that was really bad. We'd have to go back and look at his numbers. And so I'm sure, but it, it's hard to imagine that you had two teams in a two year period where you had thirteen and a thirty three and a sixteen and a thirty. I wonder if that's ever happened. 
So you covered a lot of these Ditka games, oh, right? Pretty much all of them. them. Awful. What was he like to interview? Well, he was just, a, again, he was a Neanderthal. I remember um, they were down by 10 with around five or six minutes to go. And they could have kicked a field goal. It would have been like a 30, maybe a sh- I think it was like high 30s, maybe 40, 41 yard. Very makeable indoors. And he didn't, he went for it. And I'm like, does he not know? I don't know what the mathematical term for that is, but three plus seven equals 10, just like seven plus three equals 10. <laughs> so he didn't make it. And they, you know, the other team got the ball and they lost the game. So in the post game press conference, I asked him, Coach, why didn't you kick the field goal on that play and then maybe hopefully get a touchdown after you get a stop later? And he just went nuts, started cursing and all this. And so not only that, he walks out again. We're in that little bitty room that I've told you. He walks out and on the way out, he kind of shoulders me kind of like, you know, like, you know, like, who are you like to ask me that? And just kind of shouldered me on a, on a, Come on. On a shaking my head like, this guy's a clown show. I'm just a complete <laughs> clown show. And I went back when we decided to do this to, to, to see how, how late in the game it was. And to be fair, it wasn't as late in the fourth quarter as my memory was. Mm-hmm. But I can remember watching this game at my in-law's house. And standing up behind the little recliner that was right in front of the TV and, and, and just watching this game. And they're playing at Arizona. And they're down by three. And it's the, they had just gotten a turnover. And I thought it was like with like two minutes to go. But it was, it was earlier in the fourth quarter. But still. They get the ball. It's fourth and one. They're down by three points. I've already told you how bad they are offensively. You know. And it's fourth and one from the nine-yard line. And he goes for it. In the fourth quarter, down by three. I just lost. I mean, I'm just, I just—I I can still remember. Like, it's amazing. Like, the veins in just burst out of my head watching the game, screaming at this idiot. So they ask him after the game, you know, why'd you go for it? Well, if you can't get one yard, you don't deserve to win the football. <laughs> I hate that. I mean, I just hate that. And, and, I, and anytime that anybody says that, I think of that game and that stupid comment by Mike. Yeah. You're horrendous <laughs> offensively. What in the world are you trying to get one yard for again, that goes to the smash mouth offense. But again, that to me, that situation and that response was my dicka. Mm-hmm. It's like it was some sort of macho contest. He wasn't trying to outsmart anyone, and you can't win in the football doing that anymore. Right. Let's talk about Ditka, the famous press conference that you kind of mentioned earlier, the one where he he was like, I'm not doing my job, I should be fired, and things like that. Like I don't remember ever a coach really ever saying that or he kind of almost did give up on the team. And this was like week 14 or 15, so we still had a few games to go. What do you remember about that whole situation? Well, I think he was trying to do the right. I don't really hold that against him, just like I don't hold that against Jim Moore. I think he noticed this ain't working. Like, they're not listening to me. But it's because he was he shouldn't have been coaching. He really should not have been coaching. Mm-hmm. And... I'm, and I don't even think he's a good announcer, but at least he has a personality in this big Chicago persona with the cigar. And, you know, I guess he's an okay announcer, even though I don't think he's really analyzing stuff the way football needs to be analyzed in, right. in this sense. And he hasn't been on the air for a long time. But no, I, I, I just I just think I don't hold that against him. I, I think he was just being honest. And he that was one thing he was right about. He had lost the team and he was not doing a good job of coaching the team. And, again, they were not that bad defensively. 
but um, offensively they were just they were just miserable. And it's been since the, other than the Katrina year, Mike Ditka's nineteen ninety nine season that the Saints won, other than the Katrina year, won fewer than seven games in the NFL season. It's twenty twenty one. Now that's twenty one years. Yeah, twenty two. That's two full decades. The exact amount of time between the start of the franchise, they were 21 years old when they had their first winning season. And we've now had 21 years since um, Ditka. And they've at least, now 7-9 and nine is not a good record. If the Saints went 7-9 this year, I'm going to be disappointed. But it's nothing like 1-15 or whatever. I mean, they've, they've not won fewer than seven games since then. So it's become a pretty good franchise. Let's talk a little bit about that 99 season. They did go 3-13, and 13, and it starts with Ricky Williams, right? I mean, that's where the season starts. So it, do you kind of feel like that was the beginning of the end when that draft happened? or? Well, he was going out on a limb. You know, Rick, Ricky played 12 games that season, rushed for 884 yards for three and a half yards a carry in his little smash-mouth offense, and two touchdowns. I mean... You draft his running back and you trade everyone for him. And apparently they didn't do very much homework in learning about Ricky's personality. And could, I mean, you realize how strong that New Orleans is not New York City, but still an NFL team. And you're going to trade an entire franchise to come carry a team. I mean, an entire draft carried his franchise. And he didn't have the mental makeup to do that. I mean, either the people at Texas, University of Texas, the PR communications people, were the best ever at covering all of that up, or they did absolutely zero homework. Yeah. Like, how did they not see that this guy's personality was not one that even wanted any part of carrying a franchise, much less doing it? Yeah. And he didn't want any part of that. No. He wasn't like the worst player ever, but again, no, he, he was on a terrible offense, and he was being asked to do something that he was not capable of doing in terms of his leadership skills and everything else. It was just it was just an awful decision. So I hate to do this to you, but I do we are talking about ninety nine, so we gotta talk about the game that you were at. There's video of it. You can see you at the game. Nineteen ninety nine. The Cleveland Browns are actually an expansion team. This is the first year they moved in the middle of the night. A few years earlier, they moved to Baltimore. They're not the old Browns, are not the Baltimore Ravens. Cleveland gets awarded an expansion franchise. We get to the game against the Saints. Cleveland hasn't won a game yet in this expansion year. They're playing the Saints. You're at the game. You and our friend Eric are at the game. Take well, us back then, game. like I've said before, at the two-minute warning, you could go down on the field. So we were on the field, and this time we weren't really on the – we weren't in the end zone like I was for that Rams game in 1990. I was actually on the sideline. And the Hail Mary is like, looks like he's throwing it at us, you know, when it goes up in the air. And it's kind of just coming. So we kind of backing up because I certainly don't want to get hit. And and then he catches it in school. I mean, it, it, I just didn't even know what to do with myself. Like, what do you do in that situation? Like, I cannot believe this is happening. I, I think in my mind, that was a long time ago, over 20 years ago. But I think in my mind, I started thinking, I just watched Big Ben in person right in front of me. Right. You know, I remember in 1978, that stupid Big Ben happening to us with the Falcons. And that, I mean, that's kind of what just, I mean, it was just. And the dicker falls down. And I'm like, look at this car. Like, please end this era. <sighs> Doug Bryan had actually kicked a 46-yard field goal with 21 seconds left for the Saints to take the lead. When that happened, you're, you're thinking you're going to win. Yeah, yeah. Just it was just 
awful. Um, and if I remember correctly, they won the first game of that se- season. And so they were 3-13 and 13 and won their first game. Of course, they did the same yeah. thing. In the, uh, so they beat the Panthers in the first game, 19-10, to 10, and then they went on a seven-game losing streak before beating the 49ers in Week 10. Very much like Katrina, the Katrina season, they won in Ornaville for the first game, and then, you know, things Nothing went else. way down. Yeah. They didn't win very many games under that. You know, again, I – there were some good moments. What are some? What are some of the good moments? Well, the good moments was one, you know, acquiring Sammy Knight. Once he Dick left, Sammy Knight helped us win some great games against the Rams and was very good. Leroy Glover was very good. They had some very good sacks. They played a game in '98 against the Cowboys. They beat the Cowboys twenty-two to three. In that game, the Cowboys rushed for eight yards. Wow. Emmitt Smith, all-time leading rusher, had 15 carries for six yards. I mean, that's total domination. Plus, at that time, you know, the Cowboys weren't that far removed from winning all those Super Bowls, and the Saints were, you know, awful under Ditka. And so it was, it's fun. It was just fun beating the Cowboys and crushing Emmitt's face. And so that 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 was a great win. Again, they had the three and and0 start. They had the, the Sunday night football primetime win that I talked about at the Bears. You know, there was a few of those, but it was they were pretty few and far between. But I would say that was the highlight of the Ditka era. That 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 game against the Cowboys where they just and the Cowboys were eight and four. Like they came to the Superdome an eight and four team, probably on their way to the playoffs, and you know they got their face crushed. So that was good, but not a lot of those during the Ditka era. So then Ditka leaves and. Were you happy that this happened? I mean, were you oh, relieved? Everybody was relieved. I, I think even people who were high on Ditka had to admit the game had passed him by. It was, And it wasn't just him. Again, Danny Abramowitz had to go, too. I mean, they just – the offense was just miserable. And then they replaced him with Mike McCarthy, who for a while was known as a pretty good offensive guy. And, it's, and now a lot of people think maybe the game has passed him by a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that they did in 2000, 2001 just looked so professional compared to, you know, what Ditka and them were doing. And in addition to Ditka, they fired Bill Kuharik, who was not popular. You know, he didn't didn't look like a football guy. They didn't seem to do a lot of good football-minded things. I don't think they had a plan on how to draft like the Saints down there. I just think they were just... Bill Kuharik was hard to like because he mm-hmm. just looked like some guy who needed to be a professor at some school in the Northeast and 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 never leave the you know see the light of day kind of person. Yeah. Just stay in your little room, teach your little class, and don't talk to me. And that's what he looked like. And so, in addition to Dicka, they got rid of Kuharik, and I think a lot of Saints fans were happy with that as well. Again, I think all you need to know, remember, is look at that '97 draft. You could see what his problem was, and, and just the fact that. Um, that scenario I talked to you and his example of, I think the Saints beat a lot of teams because they're smarter than them. They outthink them. They won a lot of games mm-hmm. with Drew and Sean doing that. I don't think the Saints outthought anyone. You know, they just, Back then, yeah. they, they, in the Dicka era, I don't think they were capable of outthinking or out at coaching somebody. So when, when you look back on the Dicka years and somebody tells you the Dicka years or they mention Mike Dicka, What's the very first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the Mike Ditka years? Like, for me, it's Ricky Williams. For some people, it's the Billy Joes. What is it for you? 
not kicking a field goal on fourth down and one down by three in the fourth quarter at Arizona. That's what I think about that Neanderthal thinking and not having any quarterbacks. Yeah. Really. The Ricky Williams thing was bad, okay? And we talked about that a little while ago, Why the, all the reasons why it was not well thought out. But I don't, you know, Ricky was not an awful football player. I'm not. It's not probably first, second, or third on my list. I, it's not the big thing for me. Right. And I was at that draft. I mean, that was, I was in the draft room. You look over and Ditka's got this wig on. It's like, what? It's just, think about how awful that was. And he's taking pictures and dresses. And What are we doing here? Yeah. Like, how did they think? Like, when they were lining up for all those pictures, Ricky had to be mortified. Because at the time, knowing, we didn't know anything about Ricky. Knowing Williams. his personality, right. Knowing his personality. and see, He had to be going, what in the world? I mean, I remember going to camp. And he would, you'd interview him, and he'd have his helmet on. It was just so bizarre. I mean, just, I can't even imagine the things that went through Ricky Williams' mind about Mike Ditka that first year. Think about it. Like, yeah. he had to be going, who is this guy? <laughs> what is he talking about? It was just, I'm glad that's something we can laugh about that was two decades ago because it was an awful three years. Just awful. I'm surprised I survived it. <laughs> All right, I don't have anything else. <laughs>